<laughs> wow. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful video? Yeah? And just thank the media team for showcasing the work that is going on, uh, that is going on in our faith community services. And um, do you know that right now, Every single week, we are touching more than 300 residents from around this area who come in for all these uh, activities. And it's all through the work of Faith Community Services, uh, Brother Kinho and his team uh, that is there. And I want to take a moment this morning just to honour Brother Kinho and his team for all the amazing work that they are doing. Kinho, are you here? Are you here? Okay, Kinho, Kinho, would you stand, please? And, and the team that is working together with Kinho, would you? If you are here, would you just stand? Okay, because today we have leaders meeting right after the second service, so probably they are all in the, in the, coming for the next service instead so that they can follow through with that. I, I just want to take a moment to honour Brother Kinho for the work that he has been doing uh, in faith community services. I remember when Brother Kinho first took over, uh, we, were, we were much smaller, we were new, and not very much were happening. Every single board meeting, he comes and he gets asked, you know, can, can we do more? Can we do more? Why is it that we organize all this? We have different kinds of dancing, you know, we're line dancing, we have Zumba, we have this and that. But why always the same dancers? Huh? They seem to dance from one kind of dance to another, with the same group of people coming and all of that. And we were wondering, what is this? And... But, you know, I want to honour this man's faithfulness. You know, his ability to plough on and plot on and just coming up with this, with that. And over the years, uh, we begin to see the community accepting us as one of the people that are here to serve them. And I'm so glad that he has brought it to where it is today. I just want to take a moment to honour Brother Kinho and his FCS team for all that they're doing. Thank you so much uh, for that. Amen. Well, welcome to Volunteers Appreciation Sunday. Uh, for those of you who may be visiting with us for the first time, I want to assure you it's not like that every Sunday. Uh, I already miss so many things uh, right up to this moment in, in the service. I tell you, I, use my, I miss my usual pulpit. <laughs> and I, I couldn't use the usual one because it's too heavy. And I, I didn't want to carry it myself. <laughs> and we're giving every volunteer a, day's, a day off, uh, partly to honor them and to, and most importantly, to help every one of us here recognize, you know, how important they are. You're, I already miss my Holy Grounds coffee. And I already miss having a friendly uh, car park marshal wave me in, you know, when I come to park. And I don't have the ushers even when I walk into the hall. Nobody was there. Brother Dan was so nice. He said, hey, I walk you in. Uh, you know? <laughs> and we do all this kind of thing. But I really, really uh, want to um, say thank you to all the volunteers and the amount of work that you guys do. Look at the stripped down uh, uh, slides and all these things, and, and already I'm feeling that I miss all the volunteers. And I want to dedicate today's message really to all the volunteers in FCC. And I hope you are ready for God's Word this morning. Are you ready? All right, let's go to the book of Nehemiah. Amen. I want to read for you uh, Nehemiah chapter, from chapter 11. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 11, just the two, first two verses, and I'll share with you something which I've entitled, The Willing Unknowns. Okay, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 11, I'll read for you verse 1 and 2. 
Now the, and for those who are watching also from uh, City Campus and also online, I say this is all for you as well, okay, for all you volunteers there. Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem and the rest of the people cast lots to bring in one out of every 10 of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the remaining nine were to live or to stay in their own towns. And the people commanded all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Lord, I thank you this morning for a church so full of volunteers, people who willingly offer themselves to serve the purposes of your kingdom and to serve the people that are in this house. And Lord, this morning as we come to your word, may your word become a source of encouragement to us that even though many times the things we do are unnoticed by people around us, God, you are aware of it. And you are the one who look at the, the labor of our hands and remind us that none of it is in vain. And so, Lord, we look to you this morning to come bring a word of encouragement to all who serve in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Anyone who visits Perth will definitely visit one place, Kings Park. Am I right? And in Kings Park, the centerpiece is, of course, the War Memorial. With these words, they are inscribed upon the War Memorial, and the words go like this, lest we forget. That memorial was built to remember the soldiers who gave their lives during the war to preserve peace for this nation. And it helped us to remember the unsung heroes, the willing, so the unknown soldiers who laid down their lives for their country. And we all know that in every war, there are famous names that put places and events on maps and calendars. But there are also the willing unknowns, right? The unsung heroes who are behind the scene that makes all that happened possible. There are so many soldiers whose names we will never mention, whose names we will never know, but they are what make it happen. Nehemiah chapter 11 is a chapter where Nehemiah remembered the willing unknowns, the people who helped build the city that no one thought about, that no one even heard about. So the question really is, who are they and what do they do? And so, uh, as we come into Nehemiah chapter 11, and we read it, a, a verse like that, where it says the people's, the leaders settle into Jerusalem, and then they cast laws, and out of every 10, one of them was brought into the city, and then they were commended for, for all that. But what's the background to all this? So let me give you a little bit of backdrop, and then let this whole chapter come alive for us. Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, is where it all began. The context begins from there. Now, Nehemiah 7 verse 1 and 2 reads like this. After the wall has been rebuilt, Nehemiah said, I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. And I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man full of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Remember when we were preaching through the book of Nehemiah, we actually learned that after the war was completed, two men, one Hanani, the other one was Hananiah, they were appointed to oversee Jerusalem. And the reason why they were picked was because they were men of integrity and they also feared the Lord. 
Now, we do not know very much about them except in this rare few verses in Nehemiah. And I think they will be listed amongst the willing unknowns. But the thing is this, even though the walls of Jerusalem were already up, there were not many people who were living in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem at that time. The reason was because the city was unsecured for many years, right? The walls were not there, the city was unsafe, right? Enemies can come in and out. So the, the city wasn't secured, and so nobody was actually living there. But now that the walls are come up, the, the, has come up, the people are still not living in there. The reason is because there were no infrastructure. There were no homes yet. All they have is the wall. But somebody has to come in first in order to, for the city to be built up. So they understood that. So in Nehemiah chapter 7, in verse 4, it tells us this. Now the city was large and spacious. Yes, the city was there. But there were few people in it. Why? Because the houses have not yet been rebuilt. So how did they manage to get the people to actually come back to a city with nothing, with no infrastructure, no homes, nothing, except a war? How did they manage to do that? Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2 is what gave us the answer. And the answer goes like this, right? Nehemiah 11, verse 1 and 2 that we just read. It goes, Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem. The rest of the people then what? Cast lots so that they can bring one out of every 10 to live in Jerusalem. So 10% of the people are now brought back into the holy city, while the remaining nine can continue to live on their own towns, in, in their own towns. The people then commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. But actually, sometimes we read this verse and we say, they actually didn't volunteer. They now volunteered, you know what I mean? They, they didn't volunteer, they got volunteered. How? Through casting of lots. But before you jump to that conclusion and say, why did they commend them for being volunteers? The, the truth is this, the, during that time, you need to understand that the it, casting lots huh, is an accepted way of knowing the will of God because they don't have the Holy Spirit living in people then, right? So the casting lots was the way to find out the will of God. And so, the, so what happened here is this, right? Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2 tell us the first group of people to actually settle in the city were the leaders, right? And they had to be there because of their roles and responsibility is only right. The second group was selected by lots. One out of every 10 got volunteered into the city. But the thing is this, it was seen as a choice of God because casting of lots were accepted means of divine guidance in the Old Testament. The rest of the people continued to live outside of the city in the surrounding areas. So they live in the suburbs instead of the city itself. And then the rest of the chapter goes on, the rest of chapter 11 goes on to tell us who actually were in the city. Who are these 10%? We don't hear much about them, but they are the ones, they're very important. They are the ones who actually went on to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So I call them the willing unknowns. These are the unsung heroes, the nobodies who actually make things happen and rebuild the city. Everybody think about the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. They always think of two persons, Nehemiah and Ezra. That's all they think about. They don't realize, we sometimes don't realize there's so many people who actually helped build the city. Like people think FCC, who did they think? Oh, Pastor Ching Lai's church. 
or Pastor Benny and his church. They all think like that. But I tell you, it's not our church. It's not my church. This church belongs to every one of us. There are so many people who actually make the church happen. You with me? And I think we need to remember that. Okay, now a careful analysis of these verses in chapter 11. I want to bring out five specific groups of people that were mentioned. And I think we can find all of them here. Okay, let me outline for them who, they, who were in this 10%. Number one, of course, are the willing volunteers. That's the first group, the willing volunteers. In, in Nehemiah 11 verse 2, it mentions them. The people commanded all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Now, this is referring to the 10% that were drawn through the lots, which is an acceptable means for discerning the will of God during the time. But the people applauded them for their willingness to do what? To submit to the will of God. They willingly gave themselves to the task of staying in the city and helped to rebuild it. How, how do I know that? How do I know that they willingly do that? It's because in the word in the Hebrew for the word volunteered, right? They willingly volunteered, they, they volunteered themselves. The word in the Hebrew for the word volunteer is the word nadet, which implies a willing, unforced act. So they did not come into the city dragging their feet. No, they actually came in in a willing, unforced act. And that word nadet is used for one who is wanting to obey God's will from within and to benefit others. That's the mindset of the people who volunteered, the 10% that came in. Now that, it means that they actually want to do the will of God from within and to do it to benefit others. And that's the reason why they were commended. And this is precisely the reason why we want to have a Volunteers Appreciation Sunday. We want to thank God for all of you who willingly volunteered or nodded yourself to become ushers, car park marshals, logistic crew, the media people, the, the logistic, uh, the Sunday school teachers, etc. And we know you are doing this for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Am I correct to say that? And that's what the spirit of it is. And for this, we want to commend every one of you and to say a big thank you. And on behalf of the church, I say thank you to all the willing volunteers in our midst. That's the first group of people that we want to thank, all those who volunteer themselves. Here's number two. There's a specific group of people being singled out in chapter 11. They are the temple workers. Temple workers. I found them in Nehemiah 11, verse 10 to 12. Are you following me so far? Follow me, huh? Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 10 to 12 talks about the priests. Listen to this. From the priests, Jedediah, the son of Jehoiarib, Jachin, the Seriah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshalem, the son of Jadok, the son of Marioth, the son of Habitat, the official in charge of the house of God and their associates. Who, what do those people do? They carry on work for the temple, 822 men in all. The second group of people that were singled out were the priests. These are the ones who does the work in the temple of God. In our context, when I was reading through this, it reminded us of those whom God has called to vocational Christian work. 
for those who have dedicated themselves to be responsible for the spiritual well-being of the house of God. And this, I'm reminded of all the pastors, the staff, the ELT, the elders of the church that we have. These are people whom God has called uh, and they carry out the work in the house of God. And I want to take a moment this morning also to thank all of our leaders, all of our uh, board members, the people who, the staff team and people like that, they actually have given themselves to the work of the ministry, the temple workers who make sure that everything is taken care of within the house of God. And let me take a moment this morning to say a big thank you to all the staff and the leaders and the staff, uh, the ELT members, uh, the board members, the elders. And I say, without them, the church won't be what it is today. And we want to thank them uh, for this as well. Would you help me to thank all the staff members and all the ELT elders of the church? We want to thank you for devoting yourself to the work of the ministry. Here comes the third group of people, very important people, uh, the people servers. I found them in Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 15 and 16. Here's from the Levites. All of us are called to be priests, right? Shemariah, the, the son of Hashub, the son of Azekam, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Buni, and Sibatai and Jehud, uh, Jozabad, two of the heads of the Levites who have charge of the work, uh, the outside work of the house of God. I found that interesting. This is a group of people that takes care of the outside work of the house of God. They remind me of the group of men and women, of those who help the priests to get stuff done outside the temple rituals. They look after the affairs of the people. They are the Levites. I think this group reminds me of all the deacons in the church. They get stuff done to ensure that everything functions in the church. And they are like our cell group leaders, our zone supervisors, our district supervisors. They take care of the needs of the people, our counseling people, our people who pray for people, the altar workers, people like that. They are the nuts and bolts that keep the machinery of the church going. I tell you, they are often unknown, but they are so critical to the body of Christ. You know, I thank God for all of our cell group leaders, uh, our connect group leaders, and all of our, uh, our zone supervisors, district supervisors, the people who do counseling. There's so many people out there, the teams that does all these things. There's so many, and they are the ones that keep things going. And they really are taking care. They really help the staff to get things done on the ground. And I tell you, we cannot function without you. Now, somebody said it this way, you know. If you want to build a good church, you need a good pastor. But if you want to build a great church, we need a good team. And it's the team that makes the church great. And these are the people that really make things tick. Sun, week to week, week to week, week to week. And I want to take a moment this morning to say a sincere thanks to every one of you who do the shepherding work in our midst. Thank you to every Connect Group leader, every zone supervisor, every district supervisor, all the counselors, all the people who do auto work, the people who pray for people. I want to say thank you to every one of you. And to say, 
God bless you for what you do. Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs> come, sir. Come, sir. Here's a, here's a fourth group of people that are so important, and we can't do without them. And we already missed them this morning. The worship ministry. The worship people. Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 22, talks about them. The chief officials of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, son of Bani, the son of Heshabiah, the son of Metaniah, the son of Micah. Uzi was one of Asaph's descendants. Who's Asaph? Asaph is the psalmist of Israel, who were the musicians responsible for the service of the house of God. You know, in Nehemiah 11.22, we find another name that is mentioned, Uzi. Who is this guy? He is the man in charge of the Levites. He is the worship pastor of Israel. He is the Dave Wong, the Lester Ongs of our time. <laughs> and I tell you, they provide leadership to an important group of people who lead us to do the one thing that we will never stop doing even when we get to heaven. What would that be? The worship of God. Everything else will cease. No need any more ushering in heaven. We don't need any more counseling in heaven. We don't need prayer in heaven that much, <laughs> except to God, you know. We don't need to pray for each other anymore. But one thing we'll continue to do all through eternity is to worship God. Uzi, he's the leader of the worship ministry. These are the people who prepares the way for the entrance of God's word into people's hearts and minds Sunday after Sunday. I want to take a moment to just thank our worship, our, our music team, our creatives, our media crew, the graphics team that makes all the slides, the lights, the sound people, and all of that. Today, we really miss them, don't we? Do you realize we only got one setting of lights throughout this whole service? <laughs> no bright, no light, nothing. And that's why your worship today also didn't sound so exciting. You know? But I know you're worshiping from your heart nonetheless. But here's the thing, right? We appreciate everyone of all this worship ministry, all the team, the camera crew, and all of that. They come every Sunday early, and they go home every Sunday late. Sunday after Sunday. We just want to thank them for the work that they do. Really, we appreciate that. Now, I tell you, I want to say to every one of this um, crew that is all doing all this work, you are not here to occupy time. You're not in worship ministry. You're not here just to do some preamble before the main event, which is preaching of the Word. But I want you to know that you are part and parcel of why we gather in the presence of God. We are here every Sunday. Worship is not just, just come and go through some preamble, sing a few songs before we hear the Word of God. No, worship really is what we are here to give to God because God alone deserves the adoration, the praise, the worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they are the people who helped us do this with all of our heart. Uzi was a guy who led the people of God into his presence you know, often people don't remember the worship team as much as they do the preacher. And we decide that the, it was a great service because the preacher did well, because the preacher preached. No, I think worship set the tone for everything. Uzi and his team are the unknown 
heroes who prepare the hearts of God's people to encounter Him in the Word of God. And we need to really appreciate them. And I thank God for all the worship ministry and the team, the creatives and all of that. We put everything together so that we can have an encounter with the Lord. I have one last group of people to mention, and that's the prayer warriors. The people who make it all happen behind the scene. Nehemiah 11 verse 17 has a verse that goes like this. Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Jaiobdi, the son of Asaph, the director who led in thanksgiving and prayer. Book, but Bukia, the second amongst his associates, and Ebda, the son of Shammah, the son of Gala, the son of Jadotan. You know, these names are incredible, and I think I did okay. <laughs> but there's one name I want to pull out, and that's the name Mataniah. Who's this man? He was a descendant of Asaph, the psalmist of Israel. And following in the footsteps of his famous ancestor, Mataniah, the director who led in thanksgiving and prayer. In other words, he was the prayer coordinator of Israel. He is the gems people. Here you find Ruth and Lillian and the rest of the, of the gems team. They are the engine behind the machine. They are the power source in the house, the prayer warriors of the nation. I found that every church cannot do without one. And by the grace of God, we have always, you can always find someone like Mataniah in almost every local church. You can, God always has his remnant of people there who have a heart to seek him, a heart to pray, had a heart to call down revival. And often I found that he or she, this, this group of people is the one that kept the local church from drying up because they will be the lone voice, you know, crying out for revival and renewal in the church. And I have a feeling that when we get to heaven one day, we're going to find many Metanias having the front row seat in heaven. That's like this old song we used to sing, you know, unnoticed here on the earth in heaven now proclaim, you know, and it's true. When we get to heaven, we're gonna meet a lot of people that we never thought about. They are the ones who hide in the room to pray, seek God's face, and on behalf of the church, cry out to God. And they are gonna have front row seats, I think, in heaven. You know, years ago, I have a mentor who wrote a parable. I wanna dedicate this parable. I may have told it once before in this church. He wrote a little parable uh, that goes like this. Just a parable, so just take it as, as it comes. Huh? He wrote this interesting parable about, he said, one day, uh, in the parable, you, I put myself in it, okay? I found myself in heaven one day, standing outside the pearly gates. I was, I've, my time has come, right? And as I was waiting at the pearly gate, an angel came up to me, and the angel said to me, welcome, Benny, to level 72. And I was surprised because I didn't know there are levels in heaven. So I asked the angel, oh, I, just, I didn't know there are levels in heaven. And then, how did I do level 72? And then he said, oh yeah, the angel said, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, the, the level 72 is quite good because the highest level anyone can go is level 77. 
I said, wow, not bad. 77 is the top score and I got 72. Not bad. I was about to step in when the angel said to me, hang on, hang on. Uh, I've got to check something out before I let you in. And I said, oh, why? What's wrong? Uh, is something missing? You know, did I not do enough? Did I not something go wrong? Did I not qualify? And then the angel said, no, no, don't worry. There's just a little bit of discrepancy here. I just need to check it out. I panicked, so I grabbed the angel by his wings. And then I said to the angel, tell me what's wrong. How come I can't go in? Did I not do enough? Did I mess something up? And the angel said, don't worry, don't worry. I'll just check and I'll come back to you. He went in and I waited desperately. And then uh, after a while, the angel came out and said, I, I need to check something with you. And then I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the angel said, you know, based on all that you have done, you know, the books you've written, the sermons you preached, the churches you planted and all that, you more than qualify to come in at level 72. But the part that I find strange is this, you know, based on the amount of time you spend seeking the Lord, praying and all that, it averaged out to be about 20, 20 minutes a day. I said, based on that, we can't see how you could accomplish all these things. I panicked. And then he said, don't worry, I'll just check. And he went back to check. Oh, I tell you, I was really panicking now because I know that's true. I'm not one of those that can lock myself in a room and pray one hour a day, two hours a day. I'm not wired like that. Uh, he, Angel took a long time. 20 minutes later, the fellow came out. And then he came to me, I was panicking, not sure if I could make it. The angel came out to me and said, Welcome, Benny, to level 72. Congratulations, you made it. And I said, oh, I was so happy over the moon. And I said, so what happened, so what happened? And the angel said to me, actually, we checked. It's true, based on all that you prayed, you spent time seeking God, no way you can do all this. But we found out that there are many people praying for you. Then he said, there is... Um, a guy in Singapore who read your, heard your sermon and decided to make you a, a subject of their prayer. And every day, they pray for you. There's this other person in Thailand. They heard your CD. They watch your YouTube. And they make you, in, they add you to their prayer agenda every day. There's a group of people in church, in your church, they actually pray for you. Every time you, every time they create a prayer shield around you. And of course, your, your wife, your children, they pray for you every time you travel. And it's on this basis, I think, that you could actually do all you do. I was so grateful. And I said to the angel, you know, I wish I knew earlier. Then I could have thanked them. I could have done something for them. Now it's too late. And the angel said, nah, don't worry about it. They'll probably come in at level 76. <laughs> you get my point? And it's true, isn't it? We get to do what we do, not because of ourselves, not because how great we are, but because there's so many other people that actually supported us. And I'm most grateful, I think, also to all the prayer people. I know they pray for us. And pastors, you know, you get to do what you do. It's because there's so many people praying for us. And I'm so grateful to my family, my the prayer warriors, and the people who have supported me in, in all that I do over the years. Thank God for them. You know, I, I want to take all that and translate it into some lessons for us. What are the lessons that these willing unknowns really can impart to us? I want to outline three key things for you. Number one is this. 
don't ever forget that our contribution is not measured by, our, by the size of our ministry. It's measured by its impact. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, the Lord wrote, said this, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I now put you in charge of many things. So come and share your master's happiness. Jesus in Matthew 25 alluded to this fact that if we are faithful with little, then more will be entrusted to us. So don't despise the days of small things. Don't despise the little things that we do because it's not measured by size. It's measured by impact. When I was just a little boy, I think in primary two, you know, year two, I had a neighbour who took me to church. That was the first time I ever stepped into a church. It was a neighbour uh, who took me there. It was, he took me to church for a Christmas party, actually. And I've come from a non-Christian home, and I know nothing about Christianity. But this neighbour took me to church that Christmas and just to attend a Christmas party. And honestly, I don't remember who the neighbour is. I know it was a lady, but I don't remember who she was. I don't remember which church she took me to. I didn't even remember what happened in the church. But one thing I do remember till today is this, that when I was in that Christmas party, they gave me a little toy, like a present. It came in a small box, and I still remember, wrapped up nicely. And when I went home, I took out that box. What I found inside was a metal mouse. You know, it's a little mouse made of metal, and you can wind it up and then it moves. And I was so happy with that toy. I never had a toy like that all my life. And I was so happy with it. And what happened after that was this. It gave me an impression somehow in my young, young heart. It gave me an impression that church is good. That church is kind. And that day to that little present, it was a little seed planted in my heart that took me to where I am today. And I remember when I finally had the gospel shared with me as a, as a teenager, I had no misgivings with the church. The reason was because I've always believed through that little incident that church is very kind, church is good. A small act of kindness that has a huge impact in my life. It is not the size, it is the impact that really matters. Here's the second lesson I learned from all this. Our labor in the Lord may be unknown, but it is not unnoticed. Maybe unknown, but it's not unnoticed. Hebrews 6.10 says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. I want you to know that people may not know what we do, but our God noticed, and our God remembers. He never forgets what you have done. God notices, and you must remember that. Matthew 10, verse 42, Jesus said, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. See, God notices every little thing we do for that young man, for that young lady, little things we do for a youth, little things we do for the elderly, God never forgets. It's like the song goes, you know, 
Little things that you have done, sacrifices made, unnoticed here on the earth, in heaven now proclaim. And it's true, unnoticed on the earth, but in heaven it is being proclaimed. God knows and he notices. Here's the thing I learned. Our rewards ultimately is going to be based not on fame, but on faithfulness. Our reward is not based on how well, how famous we are, how impressive we can be, but it's all based on faithfulness. Anyone heard of this name, Jerry Eklund? Jerry Eklund? Nah, probably not. Jerry Eklund never preached a sermon in his life except one Sunday. It was one Sunday morning. The pastor who was supposed to preach couldn't make it to the church because of a snowstorm that was going on, so he couldn't make it to the church. And he, Jerry, being the only deacon that was present in the church that morning, he had no choice, so he got up to preach. He had never preached before. He had no preparation. He was not ready, but he was faithful. So he got up and he preached. He simply shared the gospel, pointed the congregation to Christ. That's all he did. It was not a polished sermon at all but it was a faithful one, and God used it. There was one young man in the congregation that day. His name was Charles, and Charles invited Jesus into his life that morning. No one understood the significance of what happened. That young man who gave his life that day to Christ, full name, Charles Spurgeon, you know, who became the prince of preacher. You know, he became one of the most famous preachers in history. Many people know Charles Spurgeon, but not many have heard of Jerry Eklund. God used this humble substitute preacher, if I can put it that way, to raise a Charles Spurgeon. I have a feeling that when we get to heaven, there'll be a string of unknown heroes that will be at the front of the throne of God. Amen. It is not measured by fame. It is measured by faithfulness. Paul challenged us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 to 58, but thanks be to God, he gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, for because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, I know that when we serve, it's not always a bed of roses. It's not always smooth. Sometimes we get attitude more than gratitude, you know. And I know that sometimes we get complaints more than compliments. But Paul says to all of us, stand firm, don't be moved. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And why not? Because our victory is in Christ and our rewards ultimately is going to be in heaven. The Bible speaks specifically about crowns that are waiting for us, for those who serve the Lord faithfully. Some of you here may be unknown on earth, serving faithfully behind the scene, but you've got rewards that are piling up in heaven. You've got crowns bigger than that of your pastors. <laughs> but at the end of the day, do you know what we'll end up doing with the crowns that we receive? We will cast it before the Lord. I don't think the crowns are there for us to parade around in heaven showing how wonderful we have been. But it is, it's not meant to be worn as trophies, right, to show off. But really, they are meant 
to, to be given back to God. Revelations 4, verse 9 to 11. Let me read this for you. The 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. What did they do? They laid their crowns before the throne and they said, you are worthy, my Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. It is ultimately for us to lay down our crowns in adoration, praise and worship to the one who alone deserves it, our King Jesus. And we all say amen to that. You know, this morning, I want to end just to honour those who have served faithfully in this house. And can I invite right now for all of our volunteers in all of our campuses, whether you are over uh, in Willerton, uh, we're here in Willerton or over in the city, can I invite all the volunteers please to just stand up to wherever you are? Okay, would you please stand up? Those of you who are volunteers yep, in all of our ministries, please stand. Wonderful. Let's give them a good hand as they stand for all that you do. We have prepared a little gift uh, for you as a small token of our appreciation. And our staff is going to come around and pass it to you, okay? And we just want to thank you and for all that you have done. And once you receive the gift, then you can sit down. Would you please help me to just thank every one of them for all that they do? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Wonderful. And once you receive the gift, you can sit down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. These young people here, someone just help serve them here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a little gift, but we just want to appreciate every one of you for doing what you do. Thank you. Wonderful, right? For the rest of us, um, while they are receiving the gifts, for the rest of us, you know, I think one of the keys to our spiritual growth is always to serve, right? And those who don't serve sometimes don't grow. Every member in the body has a function to perform, and I believe every function in the body has a member to perform it. And this morning, after we pray and dismiss, we have 13 booths that are set up outside. Some of us may be wondering, you may be new to the church, and you're wondering, how, how can I get involved? How, how can I volunteer? There are 13 booths outside in Willerton and two in city campus for you to really find out what are some of the things that you can be involved in. And there will be ministry leaders there who, who will answer any questions that you may ask uh, about the ministry. So I want to invite you, take some time to go and visit. Uh, the booths and to find out where we can get involved. Now, you know, this church is a church that is full of volunteers and many of you have served with faithfulness over the years and there are rewards and crowns piling up in heaven waiting for you. But those crowns are not meant to display our, our, our own greatness but they are really meant in the end to glorify God and to be returned to Him. And I, I just want to take a moment this morning to say a big thank you to all of you who have been serving uh, the Lord. 
And for those who are new and may want to volunteer, go and find out where you can be involved, okay? And there are many, many things we can do. But to those who have been serving, I want to pray for you that the Lord will continue to use you and continue to strengthen you as you continue to serve and, and, and bless our people. So why don't we all stand to our feet uh, together and allow me to pray as we close this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So would you take a moment this morning to those who have been serving that we commit ourselves once again to serve in the strength of the Lord. For those who may be considering uh, volunteering and considering signing up to get involved in something, I want to pray for you that the Lord will also lead you and direct you as you decide in what way we can all get involved. So would you receive this prayer this morning? Lift our hearts to the Lord as I pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we once again offer ourselves afresh to you. We dedicate our lives to the service of the King. And Lord, we thank you that one day we can have crowns that we can lay at your feet because you alone are deserving of it all. So this morning, I pray for every volunteer that is here. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and empower us so that we may serve you not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. Lord, I pray for everyone who is considering to volunteer, that you will lead them and direct them. God, would you bring them into a place where their gifts can be used to glorify you and to edify others. And Lord, I pray that for FCC, we'll be a church full of people who wants to serve you. And God, we want to serve you not because of anything except out of the gratitude of our hearts. For all that you've done for us, we in turn give ourselves back to you. So Lord, we thank you for all the willing unknowns, for the volunteers that have so willingly served your people through the years. And I pray that you send them away with their hearts encouraged because we know that in the end, all we want to hear is for you to say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And for all this, we give you thanks. Now, may the love of the Father, the peace of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit go with us. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you just give the Lord a good hand and be sure to thank the people that you know, the volunteers that you know, say a word of thank you to them.